Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Our featured preacher for today on the Baptist pulpit is Pastor Joel Logan. He currently pastors Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. He was born November 15, 1965 in Decatur, Alabama, and he has a younger brother, and he and his brother and his mom have put together some CDs, music CDs, challenge you to reach out, try to look up those. At the age of five, he was led to Christ by his father, follow the Lord in believer's baptism. At the age of 21, he entered the army, and after completing officer's candidate school, he was commissioned as a second lieutenant. And then he resigned his commission uh, soon after that to pastor a church plant in Northern Ireland, and God used this place uh, to really reach his heart, turn his heart to the Lord and to the Bible. He was called to preach 1980. Nine, he enrolled at Tabernacle, Tabernacle Baptist Bible College. He attended there until 1993. And yeah, he was married 1994. And in 1994, Pastor Logan became the pastor of Sweet Springs Baptist Church in Ardmore, Alabama. He pastored for the next 22 years there. And on December 4th, 2016, God moved him to pastor Tabernacle. Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. I pray that the message will be a blessing to you as you listen to it on the Baptist pulpit today. We'll go back to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Uh, we were looking there, and now we're going to go back there again tonight, looking at spiritual warfare this morning, and just made some comments that we're not to speak to the devil, and we're not casting out devils. We resist the devil, and uh, we give out the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation, but we do wrestle against the devil. The Bible's very clear there in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then it says the armor of God. We talked about the armor of God and we ended in verse number 18 saying that prayer was part of that and that we ought to spend more time praying consistently, persistently. Those words in verse 18, praying always with all perseverance and then praying for others that we ought to pray for all saints, verse 18, verse 19, and for me. But I didn't mention a verse that is always mentioned when you began looking at this section, and that's in verse 10. Go back and look at verse 10 just a moment. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then we're told, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might. That's what I want to preach on tonight. 
I want to preach on the thing that's stated at the beginning before we get to the armor and before we get to the praying. The Bible encourages us to be strong in the Lord. Now, how many of you men recognize that the strength that you had as a young man is not available to you anymore? Is anybody like that? You know, if you put on tennis shoes and you put on athletic gear uh, that makes you look like people that, that have that same youthful strength, that does not give you youthful strength, does it? It just makes you look like those that have it. And I'm not saying you can't be strong in your older age. I'm not saying that you can't be uh, physically strong. But I'm saying that, that really, I, I want to know how many of you men that, that acknowledge that. How many of you men would acknowledge this, though? That there is a strength and a power in the Lord that far outpaces the physical body that you have. That there's a strength that you can have inwardly to help you face the things that are in front of you. And I think that this verse is not written to older men. I, don't th I think it's written to who it says in verse 10, finally, my brethren. That means if you're born again, the emphasis is that you need to be strong. Now, can I ask you, do you think America is strong or weak spiritually? Do you think the state of the churches in America, most of them, not like Tabernacle, do you think the state of churches in America is strong or weak? What about the individual Christians in this country? Do you think that that is weakening or do you think that is strengthening? And I think, I think there is a weakness that is taking place which leads to the apostasy that we read about in the Bible. But I don't want to be a part of that. I, I don't want to be a part of the crowd that's hanging on and waiting for the rapture and just, 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 uh, just slowly uh, slipping away and withering away and having all my strength just diminished. I'd, I'd like to be like Brother Case was out in the aisle with a with a cane up in the air ready to throw it saying, hey, my body may be wore out, but the old man on the inside is doing real good. Amen. Amen. I don't want to be part of the dying church movement in this country. So the Bible says then be strong. Well, you could say be strong, but it, it doesn't stop there. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want you to take and look at chapter one. Look at that power of his might. I'm, I'm glad that my God has great power. In fact, would you read it with me? It's, it's right there in the passage, and I think it's probably something we ought to read. Verse number 19, I, I've not done this at Tabernacles since I've been here, but I want us to read together Ephesians 1, 19, and we'll read down through verse number 21. Let's read together out loud, all right? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Oh, we can't stop there. And hath put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And if you go back and you look in verses 19, 20, 21, you can see this power that's being mentioned in verse number uh, uh, 12, excuse me, in verse number Oh, verse number 10 of chapter 6, the power of his might. And the first thing I want to say about this, when we talk about the power of his might, that is a great power. 
Say that again. That is a great power. That we are tapped into a great power. Look in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? You see that word exceeding? He could have just said, and what is the greatness of his power? I'm glad that I have a God that has power, and I'm glad that my God has great power. But I'm glad that my God has more than great power. I'm glad that my God has exceeding great power. That means that when you get to the word great and you talk about the power of God, that it doesn't stop with the word great, that it goes beyond the word great to the word exceeding. You say, how far does it exceed? I don't know that anybody's been able to figure out that. I believe that God's power is still exceeding and just goes and goes. And I just want to say tonight, hey, church, you listening? When God says that we're to be strong in the Lord, I'm glad he's talking about standing in a power that is a great power. Amen. You say, how great is that power? Well, look what it says in verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. So much attention on Vladimir Putin. You know, if I had a name like that, I'd probably be mad at the world too. Boy, everybody talks about what he's done. He's done awful things in the Ukraine, awful, horrible things. And he has nuclear power in his hand. And because of that, he's rattled his sabers and he's threatened Europe and he's threatened Finland and threatened Sweden. And he's let them know, if you step toward NATO, I'm going to do something to you. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of people in this world that are terrified of Vladimir Putin. But I want you to notice that the power of our God, according to verse number 21, is not just above him. Hey, hey, it's far above him. It's not just a little bit above. It's not, we're not talking one and two. We're talking about one, 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 one that is way out there. And Mr. Putin's way down there. Amen. I don't know about you, that makes me feel good about being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. That means the power of his might, that's great. That's something that is given to you and I. And notice it says not only that is named, every name, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. <laughs> you know, there's always an election. And I, I, I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to discourage you or I'm not trying to depress you. We are going to have midterm elections. There are going to be people that are put in office. But I don't believe it's going to change this country. I don't believe it. That change in election may bring some changes and certainly it moves back and forth. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ's power exists in this world. It's far greater than all of those things and it is exceeding great now. And hey, are you listening to me? It's going to be exceedingly great in the future as well. In other words, my God's power is not diminishing. He's not like some older gentleman that loses his strength. The power of my God is not diminished ever since he created this world, ever since he brought the Are you listening to me? Ever since he brought the children of Israel across that, that Red Sea and brought them into camp. My God's power is not diminished. Amen. Not diminished. He's different than you and I. He's just as powerful now as he was 6,000 years ago. Wow. Didn't even have to take a multivitamin to keep it that way. Amen. His power is great, but not only his power is great, but it's proven. It's proven. You know, I, I, have, I have never tested some of the power that I've heard described in some of these vehicles. I understand that Tesla makes a vehicle, an S, that goes from zero to 60 in like 2.3 seconds. It's all electric. It's got a little button you push, and you don't even hear an engine roar. It just, it's gone. 
I've heard it's powerful. I'd like to try that out. I've had people talk to me about Hemi engines and 900 and some odd horsepower and talk about how they've enlarged things that I don't even know anything about, cams and all these lifters and all these things and this bore and that bore and it's got a holly shifter and it's got all, listen, I've heard some of those things idling. I'd like to check that out. Brother Freddie Hale tells me he's going to let me drive one of his race cars, but I think right now he's trying to come up with enough money to pay for all the insurance. When we talk about a great power, we're not talking about a great power in theory. We're talking about great power that has been proven. If you look what the Bible says there, and look at it now. This this power, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That power was proven when Jesus Christ stepped out of that empty tomb on the third day. Amen. And listen, listen, there was no faith healer standing outside of that tomb. There wasn't a collective of all the uh, denominational powers holding hands, praying. No, no, not at all. Jesus said, I'm laying that body down, and three days later, I'm picking that body back up. And he showed how great God's power really is. Amen. But it didn't stop there because the Bible says, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. His power just didn't get him out of the tomb, but his power carried him all the way to glory. The Bible says at the end of the book of Luke that they're standing there, they're watching him, and that they watch him ascend in Acts chapter 1. The Bible says they watched him ascend in a cloud. Oh, my goodness. Listen, to get on a plane today, you got to have a mask. But then you get in that plane, they want you to strap in. Uh, it's, it's comical to me. You know, it, you know, Strap in, they'll tell you all these things that under your seat is a flotation device at 35,000 feet at 500 miles an hour. Well, at least I won't drown up there, right? What's a float? You know, if they said there's a parachute, that might be a little bit more comforting. No, there's a flotation device. And then there's this little vest that you can, you know, you can, (laughs) if it doesn't inflate, (laughs) you can. (laughs) I'll do that on the way down. And in the event we encounter difficulty, there will be some mass that drop down that will provide provide oxygen. First secure yours and then those that are around you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, that's a plane. I I cannot imagine what NASA does when they put a man inside of a rocket. You get all strapped in. You go through training to be able to keep the blood up so you don't pass out. You go through all this stuff. They've got you all right. I'm sure you've seen pictures of it, if not even movies that detail it. And they've got these guys sitting in here. They've got the countdown, huge engines, and things move away. And then those thrusters fire, and boom, that thing takes off, and it's struggling and fighting its way out of this Earth's orbit and gravity. And as it finally gets out, there are people that watch, and they, ooh, and ah, and they say, listen, Jesus didn't need a helmet. Jesus didn't need a seatbelt. Jesus didn't need a flotation device. He didn't need an oxygen pack. He didn't even need thrusters on that thing. He didn't need NASA. He didn't need anybody. The Bible says that he is sitting in a cloud. You know how he did that? By the power of God. Amen. Amen. Boy, if I hate, I pray that's good preaching right there. He ascended by his own power. 
He didn't get hooked up to some kind of thing that you find on television and Star Wars and Star Trek and we've got to make sure we've got the warp core play. He didn't need any of that stuff. He did it in his own power by his own accord and he went up when he wanted to go up. Not, hey, not to, not to the moon or as Elon Musk wants to go to Mars. If you want to go to Mars with Elon, help yourself. I'm not lining up. Amen. He went way past Mars. He went to the third heaven and, <laughs> and sat down at the right hand of God. Amen. You say, how did he do that? With a power that has been proven. Amen. Come on, how many of you that makes you feel good? We can be strong in the, in the Lord and the power of his might. Feels like I'm resting in a pretty good place right there. But that's my third thing I want you to see in this same passage. I really like the fact that God added this in the passage, verse number 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Can you read those next four words? To usward who believe. That power is available to you. Now see, I just lost you right there. We're shouting it out that we've got a God that's got power. He can walk out of a tomb three days after suffering at the hands of men. We're shouting it out that we've got a God that has enough power to ascend from the earth without the help of NASA. We've got a God that has proven power, great power that exceeds and is far above. But then when we read that about us, to usward who believe, we kind of lose a little bit of that. As if the power that he got up from the dead with and ascended to heaven with is really not available. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read it again, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? I'm telling you that that same power, are you listening, is available to you today. Amen. You know, when somebody says, preacher, I just don't think that I can quit this habit that I have. Well, I understand that because in your own flesh, your flesh has a hard time. But could I say in the power of God that's able to ascend above the stars and into the third heaven, I believe you probably got all the power you need plus some. Amen. Can I say that again? Plus some. Well, preacher, we've gone through Reformers Unanimous and we've gone through Hope Ministries and we've gone through Alcoholics Anonymous and just don't know that I've got enough power to break the chains of this, this, this vice that has a hold of me. I'm telling you, if God, if God could get his son up on the third day with that power, I tell you, he'd have no problem breaking the chains of some alcohol in your life. But do you believe that? Do you believe that? See, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind, not my power. I'm reminded often, this place where I pastor and I'm privileged to be able to walk these grounds is beyond my power. But I don't have to operate my power. I've got a power that's a whole lot bigger than me. Amen. Oh, I've had people say, how are y'all able to keep that children's home from being taken and, and put under scrutiny and, and the DSS coming in and closing you down? I, I, well, it's not because we have so many people that are bright enough to take and check all the boxes and get everything just right. I believe it's because we have a God who has enough power to keep us open. What do you think about it? How are you able to have that kind of a preaching on a radio station and not get shut down and not inflame all the people in the community that have such degrees of opposition to your, your, your belief about abortion and about LGBTQ ministry? Well, all I can say is this. We've got a God in heaven that has more power than we have Watts out there on that tower. <laughs> Amen. Amen. How can you support 300 missionaries? I, the power of God. The power of God. 
So before we hit the armor, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. What do you need? What are you struggling with? What are you facing? What is the thing out in front of you that is seemingly insurmountable and impossible to overcome or to get by? I would encourage you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. Now, if you would go back to Ephesians chapter 6 there, let's read just that verse again. He says, finally, my brethren, 610, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We've got about four of the little points I want to add to that. Be strong in the Lord. So I'm to be strong in the power of his might, but I'm to be strong in the Lord. How, do, how can I be strong in the Lord? Well, take if you would and put a little mark right there in Ephesians 6 and go with me to 2 Corinthians 12 for just a moment. How can I be strong in the Lord? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I've heard many people say that Paul was the greatest Christian ever to live. I, I, I think they say that because of the number of books that he was able to write, the number of revelations that were given to him, the number of churches that were in his care. But I know this. I don't think that Paul was a great Christian because of his own strength. I think he tapped into a strength that was a whole lot bigger than his own. And the reason I say that is it's right here, if you would, in 2 Corinthians 12, you know about this thorn, verse number 7, in the flesh. He has a thorn in the flesh, the Bible says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. In other words, he has a thorn in the flesh that God has allowed, but it is as if Satan takes advantage of it and uses that to buffet Paul. And as he does that, the Bible says in verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Strange statement. I'm going to glory in my infirmities so that I can have the power of Christ. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. You know, I don't, how many of you take pleasure in ice cream? Anybody besides me? I take pleasure in ice cream. I take pleasure in, in a nice soft recliner. I can take pleasure in a soft bed. But when you tell me to take pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, when you give me that list, I don't find much pleasure there. But look what he finishes with. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The first thing about being strong in the Lord, in the Lord, is this. You have to acknowledge your weakness. I, I, I'm not going to tell you which child. But we had one of our children, when it came to doing things, they, they had a little phrase. I can do it by myself. Anybody have one of your children tell you that? Hey, look, Dad, Mom, I want you to know right now, I know you got resources, you're older, you got experience, but I can do it all by myself. I don't need your help. I can do it by myself. You know, sometimes I think we have that attitude when it comes to the way we live and the things that we have. I've got a big bank account. I've got friends. You know, I've got things in my life that help me. I, I don't need your help. Can I first, the first thing you need to understand about being strong in the Lord, you've got to know that you're weak without him. Come on, come on, church. Now, don't, no, listen, I'm not preaching for us to be able to get a point. You have to know that without him, you are as weak as water. Amen. I had a man that would tell me, he loved to remind me how many doors he hung at Sweet Springs Baptist Church. 
He would tell me, preacher, I hung all the doors at this church. He told me about how long he'd been at the church and how he was a charter member. And I'm good with all that. You hang doors, praise the Lord. Somebody had to hang these here. If you're a charter member, praise the Lord. I'm glad of that. But being a charter member and hanging all the doors doesn't give you any more power than anybody else. You're just as weak as everybody else. And come on, don't, 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 don't look at me ugly. You are just as weak as everybody else. We all need help from God. Well, I've read my Bible through 50 times. Praise the Lord. Sister Alyssa, Sister Alyssa, I memorized the whole book of Acts. I'm strong. I, well, you, you did something that was very impressive, but you're still as weak as water, and you need God. <laughs> you need help in your marriage. You need help with your children. Isn't it funny how all these people write books about raising children that don't have any? You ever read that? You ever read a book written by somebody that tells you how you can accomplish things in your marriage that's probably on their third marriage? That doesn't really help you at all. I'm, listen, I'm, when you get right down to it, if you want to get down the road, you and I, our flesh is weak, our constitution is weak, but I'm glad it doesn't have to be through my power. I've got a strength that supersedes that. So I just need to say, Lord, I'm weak. I'm weak. And that's what Paul is saying. I'm going to take pleasure. I, I am going to take pleasure and I am going to rejoice in this weakness that I have because when I do, I know that now I can stand in the strength of God. You young people and young adults, we are for you here at Tabernacle Baptist Church. Listen, I believe your mother and dad are for you if they're born again. If they're not, this church is for you. The folks in the children's home, we are for you. But just because you go through a Christian school and just because you have a Christian home doesn't mean you're strong enough to handle all the things that Satan has out there for you. I'm telling you, you need the strength of the Lord in your life. I feel like probably we have failed a little bit there as independent Baptist because we know the parameters. We know you shouldn't listen to wicked music that talks about filthy things. And God forbid today, if there's somebody in here, you're a Christian and you listen to rap music that demeans women and takes issue with authority and has curse words about every other word, you're deluded in thinking that you can stand in the strength of the Lord because that's filth. We know that's wrong. We know it's wrong to take and try to make a woman into a man and a man into a woman. We understand there are so many things that we know are right and we take and we build those walls and I'm not against taking and having walls of separation, but it takes much more than a wall of separation. Our children need to be strong in the Lord. They need to be connected to him. They need to understand they're weak. I think that when a generation is raised in church, second generation, third generation, and they don't know the depths of sin, they don't understand all of those things. How many of you here know that Satan has some awful, terrible snares that look so good. But when you step into them, it will about half take your life. Is there anybody here that knows a little bit about that? You know, if you're a second, third generation Christian, you don't know anything about that. And it looks like that's something I can handle. I know it says it's good for a man not to touch a woman, but I believe I can go ahead and do this and it'll be all right. You know what you need? You need to be strong in the Lord so you don't get swallowed up by things that you don't understand. You've got to be connected to him. Then secondly, secondly, not only do you need to acknowledge it through your weakness, but then you also go back to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Praise the Lord. I'm, 
I'm having a good time preaching tonight. Ephesians 3, verse number 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I can be strong in the Lord by acknowledging my weakness, but I can also be strong in the Lord through the power of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, I think as Baptists, we do not need to be afraid of that word Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Um, and we have some people here that have a Church of God background and all of that. And, you know, those people usually, they're not nearly afraid of that. Now, they do have a connection to what we would call sign gifts that we don't believe in. We don't believe that you should speak in tongues today because we think that is past. We don't believe that we raise the sick and heal the sick. We don't believe that. We don't believe we cast out devils. But we do believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe the Holy Ghost can live in. You can be strong in the Lord through His Spirit. You know, before you got saved... Before you got saved, the Spirit of God didn't live on the inside of you. And so that flesh had such a strong pull toward the things of this world. Yeah, I think that's why, again, some people that sit in church, they, 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 can't, they can't find victory with the vices in their life because they've never been born again. And it's all really, it's about the way they live and what they're separated from. And, and so the idea is, well, then I'm just going to conform and there's not that real strength on the inside. But happy day... When you got born again, and instead of you having to try to fight in your own strength, the Holy Ghost moved on the inside and said, I think I'm going to stand with you and help you with that. I'm glad of that fact. And that's not just something that's being preached today. Listen, the Bible's very clear that by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says to be filled with the Holy Ghost with the Spirit of God. God wants to fill you with His Spirit, not with selfish and not with sinfulness. He wants His Spirit to be in your heart. And hey, if He's there, are you, if He's there, then you can be strong in the Lord. Amen. We ought not to run from that. We ought to embrace that. Amen. Brother Milton Taylor, I believe, is one of the men that has been an example of me. His his desire is to be full of the Spirit of God. That is he. That is his desire, his thirst, his hunger. Oh, we need the Spirit of God. We need the power of God. I've heard him pray it. Oh, God, would you please fill us with your Spirit? Oh, God, would you please fill us with his desire, his thirst, his hunger is to have the Spirit full in his life. I'm telling you, we need more than just a dip every now and then. We need the Holy Ghost to live in our life on a daily basis. He says right there that you might be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Then let me look, show you another one. Look, go to chapter 4. Go to chapter 4. You can be strong in Jesus or strong in the Lord by acknowledging your weakness through his spirit. But then also look there what it says in chapter 4. In speaking about the church, the Bible says in verse number 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Now, I, I want you to look at it now. The whole body, every joint, every part. That means every part, every joint, the whole body. We have some people that have recently had surgery. Mrs. Dormley's had surgery on her hip, and it's definitely affected her life. We have other people facing surgery. I, I don't know how many of you, how many of you have had a 
joint replaced. Is there anybody here you'd raise your hand? Look at the hands that have gone up. It changes your life. It affects your whole body. I remember when I had to have my ACL replaced. I tore my ACL um, back when my son was about a year old and uh, tore it playing volleyball and it popped and I had to go in and they drilled a hole through the top of my leg. They drilled it through the bottom bone. They took a third of my patella out. They stretched it between those two bones and they tightened it down. And my wife and my mother had to help me back and forth to the bathroom because I couldn't get there. They had to help me to the shower. Because of one joint. One joint was messed up and it messed up everything. Come on. How many of you, when you have a headache, your whole body is done for? Right? My head hurts. I'm just going to be mean to everybody. Everything's bad. Listen, I, I, have, I think I have broken my little toe on both feet. And I think I've done twice maybe on this one once. On, have, you ever, have you ever broken your toe? Anybody ever broken your toe? My, my wife. Um, sometimes she would rearrange furniture. This happened when we lived next door to the church in the parsonage. And, and I remember I got up one night. I'm walking through a place that I thought was, was clear. And I caught the edge of a hope chest. No hope in that chest. <laughs> and when I hit that thing, oh, it hurt so bad. I flipped the light on when I did. My, my little toe was pointed the wrong direction. And I thought, well, that's broke. I pounded on the ground. He said, that help you? No. I reached over and I grabbed and I squeezed that thing back in. You know when you break a toe, you know what they tell you? We can't do anything for you. <laughs> and then they charge you money. And then they give you some kind of device to put on your foot to help you while you're walking around to keep everything together. And all it was was one toe. You jam your finger. One of our little boys was playing ball the other night. Little boy, he's out there and... Uh, Man, he started crying. I went over to him, and I'm trying to console him. I said, what's wrong, son? And tell me what's wrong. And he's just crying. I said, you bust your mouth? And he, he's got his lip, and he said, uh-uh, uh-uh. I said, what happened? He pointed at his nose, my nose. You ever been hit? listen, you ever been hitting the nose full force to where your whole face goes flush and you can't see very well? You know what you'll quit doing? You'll quit thinking about anything else in the world. I remember Earl Hughes, he told me this. He said, Joel, when you don't feel good, what you need to do is you need to get you a little cayenne pepper, take a teaspoon of it, put it in a glass of water about that much, stir it around, put it in your mouth and just swish it around for a little while. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, and when you're finished, he said, just swallow it down. I said, well, that helped me. He said, no, but it'll make you forget about everything that's going on that ain't right. <laughs> I believe you're right. <laughs> Because one joint gets out of place. Now listen, you young people that are here tonight, there is an idea in this country that what we're doing right now is out of fashion and old fashion, that we don't need the church anymore. That really, I don't want to be part of an organized church. I'm telling you, universities, especially cities around universities, the idea coming out of those is we don't need organized religion. We don't need the church. We don't need to be there. I can be as just as much saved at home as I am there, and there's fewer problems at home than there is at the church. All I tell you is this. We all need the church of God. And what I'm telling you is you're stronger inside of it than you are outside of it. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ.
You can't bear one another's burdens when you're sitting out there by yourself. But boy, you get inside of here, you can help bear somebody's burden. It helped my heart tonight. I watched Brother Merritt again lifting that hand. Listen, I know Brother Merritt and Mrs. Essen, uh, Essinger and then Mrs. Ira Harb and, and uh, Brother Proctor. I'm, I'm looking at them and they're here and they're mates in heaven. And I know it's got to still be fresh. They're in the right place because you can get something here you can't get at home. You need the church. I'm going to say this. You need preaching. You say, I've heard it all my life. Well, what do you think we're going to do? We get to heaven. You think we're going to end preaching? If God chose the foolishness of preaching, do you think that he's not going to have some people preach up there? Oh, Lord, can you imagine the tabernacle crowd if God said, Harold, I want you to come up here and preach. And can, you can, you can you imagine a young version, 33 years of age, giving him a Bible and saying, just run for it. You're talking about shouting. You think it got on during can God back in the 70s. You wait till we get to heaven. They're still going to be preaching. Amen. You need it now. I'm good. Well, see, you missed the first point. No, I'm weak. I need preaching. You don't need less preaching. I think you need more preaching. Hebrews 10 says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need the church. You can be strong in the Lord by being among his people. And then the last thing, you can just write this down. Nehemiah, the Bible says in chapter um, 8, verse number 10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I know that uh, I know there are some people that when you look at their Christianity, it seems to be a little bit, a little bit on the, the hard side, the sour side, the disconsented side. But, but I'd like to say this. I think the Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. He was a man of sorrow, but I believe he was full of joy and gladness. And if his joy and gladness could be had on the earth, 33 years he lived here, but three and a half he's out there, has no place to lay his head, and he's persecuted and hated, yet he's still got joy there. Then if I can tap into his joy, then I can be strong in the Lord. Amen. How many of you think Jesus rejoices over one sinner that repented? Do you believe that happens? Amen. The more we see that happen, you know what happens? Then we can enter into that same joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So Ephesians 6.10, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Before you ever put on a piece of that armor, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because all the armor won't do anything for you if you're disconnected from the God of the armor. I need to be strong in the Lord. I don't want to be weak. I don't want to go out withered. And I don't want to go out dying on the inside. I want to be strong for the battle we face today. Listen, men, men, you listening? You need to be strong for your family. You need to be strong for your family. Moms, you need to be strong for your children. But you need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. And I believe at the end of that is victory. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Lord, we want to thank you tonight that we have a
encouragement on how to be strong, Lord. And I know that there are people perhaps that are facing great opposition, things in their life that just seem impossible to overcome. And Lord, when we look at the weight of the ministries here with the children's home and the Christian school and the college and the radio station and the mission board, Lord, I know we need to find our strength in you. Think about the, the target that's placed on the back of the children of people that love you and how the devil would love to destroy them. We need to be strong in you and in the power of your might. I pray you'd help our people. You'd help me. You'd help our leadership to take these things to heart, that we need to acknowledge our own weakness, but through your spirit and through your church and through your joy, that we can still be strong. And God, that that power that's so great and available, that we would tap into that. I pray, God, that you'd help Tabernacle Baptist Church. Lord, we need you. We thank you for what you've given to us. Help us to stay strong. Help us to be strong. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Ken's going to play. Brother Hobart's going to sing a verse of invitation. Perhaps you need to find some strength tonight as a mother, as a dad, as a minister, as a leader. Why don't you come do that tonight, would you? Thanks for listening to The Baptist Pulpit, 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the word and hearing the word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.